the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. That show hasn't been funny in years. An SNL podcast. I am your host, Nick DeGilio. I'm a podcaster, a comedy writer, and performer, graduate of Second City, and a Saturday Night Live expert and historian. And each week, we'll look back at everything SNL the best, the worst, the good, the bad, the classic, the forgotten. We'll talk about full seasons and full cats, behind the scenes stories, episodes, sketches, SNL's historical significance, and much, much more. And sometimes I'll have guests, sometimes I won't. But with every episode, I will always prove that that tired cliche that you hear all the time, that show hasn't been funny in years, is absolutely wrong. Well, uh, you know, as I mentioned here, uh, sometimes we'll talk about sketches. Well, I have two words for you today, and those two words are more cowbell. Um, it's kind of amazing how this weird little sketch, um, from 23 years ago, uh, still has the life that it has, still is considered one of the best and most memorable and funniest sketches in the history of SNL. Um, and yet it's just so simple and so weird that if you were to describe it to someone, you'd say, that person would say, I don't understand why this sketch would be considered one of the funniest of all time. How can that be possible? How 23 solid years later can this thing still be considered a classic? Well, the planets aligned, the fates were meant to be, and I am telling you the story of More Cowbell, one of the most memorable sketches of of all time. You'll hear some behind-the-scenes stories, people's reaction to it immediately, how it was created, who was behind it, um, what happened when it aired, what happened during dress, and how 23 years later it is still considered a classic, and the aftermath uh, from the sketch from everybody involved. Uh, The sketch appeared uh, on um, season 25, episode 16, on April 8th, 2000. Christopher Walken was your host. As you know, I mean, anybody who knows the sketch knows that Christopher Walken is in it. He plays infamous producer Bruce Dickinson, uh, music producer. Uh, Christina Aguilera was your, uh, was your musical guest. It was uh, Walken's fourth time hosting. Um, and on uh, this season, your uh, cast was Jimmy Fallon, Will Ferrell, Anna Gasteyer, Daryl Hammond, Chris Kattan, Tim Meadows, uh, Tracy Morgan, Sherry O'Terry, Chris Parnell, Colin Quinn, Horatio Sands, Molly Shannon, and your featured player was Rachel Dratch. That's a solid, solid cast, except for Colin Quinn doing update. But that's a solid, solid cast, a really great cast. And actually, if you look back at the episode itself, it's a terrific episode, a very, very strong episode. It's always special when Christopher Walken hosts, and they always write weird shit for Christopher Walken because he's weird. 
Um, and he always, as the as the host, he's always kind of a little bit more reliant on the cue cards than a lot of the hosts are, but he gets away with it because there's always that sort of weird dead zone-ish distant look that Christopher Walken has 24-7. And with him kind of gazing at off to the side at uh, cue cards, it's some kind of, it's somehow it works in all the sketches because it's Christopher Walken. Uh, so, you know, they bring out the good guns. They write a lot of really funny shit for him. They write a lot of weird stuff for him. Tina Fey wrote uh, Colonel Angus for him. Uh, you know, it just goes way back. I mean, obviously one of the recurring characters, one of the few uh, hosts in the history of SNL that has a recurring character, that has their own SNL recurring character, and that's The Continental, the parody that they would do with The Continental. Um, so he's a much-beloved host. He's hosted seven times total, and on this night, on April 8th, 2000, it would be the fourth time hosting, and among the stuff that they did was more cowbell. Uh, so here's a little background on it. Um, this is directly from the Saturday Night Live uh, book, uh, Live from New York by uh, James Andrew Miller and Tom Shales. Uh, the Bible, for anybody who's a Saturday Night Live fan, if you don't have a copy of this book, you're not a Saturday Night Live fan. But here's what they say. Earlier in the new century, there had been another entry into the annals, 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 wow, annals of uh, unforeseen classics, More Cowbell, which was written by Will Ferrell with uh, Donald Campbell, who was a playwright friend of his. By the, by the way, the idea, by the way, for this sketch, even though Will Ferrell and Donald Campbell wrote it, the idea came from Chris Parnell. Parnell came up with the idea uh, to do the sketch. Um. It uh, is a case study in the genre of ridiculous absurdity. Set in a recording studio, the sketch combined an arcane premise, the 1976 recording of a song by rock group Blue Oyster Cult, with sublime performances and an intentional wardrobe malfunction that revealed Will Ferrell's hairy belly. Jimmy Fallon, of course, broke, setting off uh, another chain reaction. The sketch became not just iconic, but mythic. So that when Farrell returned to host in 2005, he reprised the character that he played, Gene Frankel, the cowboy, the cowbell player, this time joining an actual rock group, Queens of the Stone Age, in a performance. Um, and uh, naturally, uh, Farrell played the cowbell. So it became so popular and so iconic and so mythical, nobody really expected it to do this. <laughs> um, so we will hear uh, the sketch, we'll hear, not, not hear the whole sketch, chunks of it, the funniest stuff, and I'll, I'll explain what's happening if you've never seen it. We will also hear from uh, the people involved, uh, the aftermath. We'll hear some of the interviews about that. We will also hear from Blue Oyster Cult, two members from Blue Oyster Cult, and their reaction to finding out that uh, they were parodied on SNL. Um, so yes, you'll hear from Blue Oyster Cult. You will actually hear on this episode, you will actually hear from the person who really did play the cowbell on that song. It wasn't Gene Frankel. It was a different guy. And you will hear the actual cowbell player on Don't Fear the Reaper talking about his uh, thoughts on it. Uh, and I will also go through, uh, what a strong, strong, uh, show it was, what a strong episode, but... I will also let you know and play back uh, the fact that more cowbell is not the funniest thing on the show. It's not. In fact, it's not the funniest sketch. You know, as classic and as mythic as it's become, in my opinion, there was a much funnier sketch that night, and we'll talk about that and how that's actually the funniest part of the show. But let's get started with uh, sort of the background of this. Um, Christopher Walken 
asked for more cowbell 23 years ago on Saturday Night Live, and it's become a meme. It's become one of the most classic, uh, you know, sketches of all time. Blue Oyster Cult, the rock band whose 1976 hit song, Don't Fear the Reaper, begat a classic rock anthem and an all-time classic comedy sketch on that night of April 8th, 2000. That's when SNL reimagined the song's recording session with producer Bruce Dickinson. Will Ferrell said, Every time I heard Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult, I would hear that faint cowbell in the background and wonder, what's that guy's life like? When I first presented the idea and the sketch at the table read, Norm MacDonald was the host. Didn't go over very well. It played okay, but Lorne kept asking questions. Lorne Michaels kept asking questions like, oh, uh, is that a famous part of the song, the cowbell? Everybody laughed, and we were all saying, no, see, Lorne, that's why it's funny. It kind of died in committee, and in Lorne's defense, I don't know uh, if it's the, it was the best version of that, of the, of that uh, sketch then. So I held on to it for a while, for like three months, until Christopher Walken was the host. Then I rewrote it for him, and his odd rhythms fit too perfectly. He gave it that special sauce. At dress rehearsal, the sketch kind of bombed and was put back to the back of the show. I thought it probably wouldn't make it on, and then, lo and behold, the audience just keyed into how bizarre it was, um, and, and there it is. The idea was rejected both several times at first, like the Norm MacDonald time, uh, Farrell reworked it specifically for the walk-in episode. Um, it could have ended up in any other number of uh, big stars that were on that season, like Danny DeVito could have done it, Jerry Seinfeld could have done it, Jamie Foxx, The Rock. Um, they were all, you know, it was all, the, the possibility of those guys doing the cowbell sketch was there. But with Walken as, uh, as the host, the sketch was featured at dress rehearsal, um, and it pretty much bombed. And after months of pitching the idea, it finally got on stage uh, and because Will Ferrell was not ready to give up that cowbell. So let's listen to a little bit of it. Uh, this is the opening of the cowbell sketch. More cowbell. Again, uh, it's a fake version of Behind the Music, the VH1 documentary rock series. And this is about the making of Don't Fear the Reaper, Blue Oyster Cult's classic. And um, in, featured in this sketch are Will Ferrell, Jimmy Fallon, Chris Kattan, Chris Parnell, Horatio Sands. They play the members of Blue Oyster Cult. And Christopher Walken is the slick producer, Bruce Dickinson, who is producing their new song in the studio, um, Don't Fear the Reaper. Here's a little bit of it. After a series of staggering defeats, Blue Oyster Cult assembled in the recording studio in late 1976 for a session with famed producer Bruce Dickinson. And luckily for us, the cameras were rolling. All right, guys, I, I think we're ready to lay this first track down. By the way, my name is Bruce Dickinson. Yes, the Bruce Dickinson. And I got to tell you, fellas, you have got what appears to be a dynamite sound. Coming from you, Bruce, that means a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're Bruce Dickinson. This is incredible. I can't believe Bruce Dickinson digs our sound. Yeah. Easy, guys. I put my pants on. Just like the rest of you, one leg at a time. Except, once my pants are on, I make gold records. <laughs> All right, here we go. Fear, don't fear the Reaper. Take one, roll it. So that's the setup. Now, you have to understand, if you've not seen this sketch, I'm sure you have. Everybody is in bad 70s wigs, bad 70s clothing. Um, you know, uh, Chris... Christopher Walken's got the you know the bad sunglasses on, his hair is slicked back. Um, 
and uh, and they're all you know playing their instruments uh, and and recording the song in the studio. So that's the setup. Uh, Bruce Dickinson is this very thing, and so they start recording, and Will Ferrell is you know everybody else is playing a regular instrument. Will Ferrell's just there with a bad wig, weird sunglasses, and a very very small shirt. Uh, and he has the cowbell. That's the only thing he's doing. That's the only his responsibility he has. And he's playing the cowbell a little bit loudly and a little bit aggressively. So they stop recording, and then this happens. Please. That, that was going to be a great track. Guys, what's the deal? Uh, are, are you sure that was sounding okay? I'll be honest, fellas, it was sounding great, but I could have used a little more cowbell. <laughs> so, let's take it again. And Gene. Yeah. Really explore the studio space this time. You got it, Bruce. I mean, really. Yeah. Explore the space. Okay. I like what I'm hearing. Roll it. Okay, so they give him another cue. The cue, the song starts up. We all know the song. And, uh, and then at this point, Will Ferrell goes nuts with the cowbell. He's dancing around like an idiot. And uh, his shirt has creeped up now so that his round, fat, hairy little belly is sticking out. Um, and, uh, he goes nuts and, uh, is just, you know, cranking on the, <laughs> on the cowbell and, uh, Chris Parnell, who plays, uh, Eric Blue, the lead singer, uh, stops the recording again because of how ridiculous Will Ferrell is with the cowbell. And then this happens. All right, could you come back in there, please? Fellas. No, we, we just wasted two good tracks. This last one was even better than the first. Well, it's just that I find Gene's cowbell playing distracted. I don't know. If I'm the only one, I'll shut up. No, it's pretty rough. You know, I can pull it back a little if you like. Not too much, though. I'm telling you, fellas, you're going to want that cowbell on the track. You know what? It's fine. Let's just do the thing. Okay, roll it. Okay. So at this moment, then, Christopher Walken goes back into the uh, engineer room, uh, the recording room, and, uh, and Will Ferrell is now angrily playing the cowbell in Eric Bloom's face. Uh, and this causes a fight. They knock the mic, they mic, the mic stand over. Will Ferrell's shirt is completely up. His belly is hanging out. And there is chaos in the room as Blue Oyster Cult fights over the cowbell and the way that uh, he's playing it. And again, the recording stops. And Christopher Walken, as, uh, as Bruce Dickinson, comes in to break it all up and find out what the hell is going on. It doesn't work for me. I gotta have more cowbell. Don't blow this for us, Gene! Could be, could be so selfish, Gene. Can I just say one thing? Yeah, baby, just say it. I'm staring here, staring at rock legend Bruce Dickinson. The cock and a walk, baby. And if Bruce Dickinson wants more cowbell, we should probably give him more cowbell. Say it, baby. And Bobby, you are right, I am being selfish. But the last time I checked, we don't have a whole lot of songs that feature the cowbell. I gotta have more cowbell, baby. But I'd be doing myself a disservice and every member of this band if I didn't perform the hell out of this. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. Thank you, Bruce. But I think if... I think if I, if I just leave and uh, maybe I'll come back later, we can lay down the cowbell. Come on, baby. Gene, wait. <laughs> Why don't you lay down that cowbell right now with us together? Together. <laughs> 
Do you mean that, Eric? Oh, yeah. Speaks for all of us. Thank you. Babies, before we're done here, y'all be wearing gold-plated diapers. What does that mean? Never question Bruce Dickinson. Okay. So my one of my my favorite my, actually my favorite line is is Catan. And what does that mean? After Will Ferrell says gold-plated diapers. Uh, all right. So for people who might not know what's happening visually, um, after the big struggle, when part with uh, when Catan says, "Don't blow this for us, Gene," he grabs him in the sh- at this point the shirt that Will Ferrell is wearing has been hiked up. Like, his belly is hanging out. And the way he's been playing the cowbell is ridiculous. Um, and, and everybody breaks. Led, of course, by Jimmy Fallon, who is the king of breaking. And Horatio Sands, who's also in this sketch, also breaks. Because that's what they did. You know what I mean? Like, they were kind of the Harvey Corman and, uh, and Tim Conway of SNL during that period where they just would get on stage together and they would make each other laugh. And it became... Quite frankly, tiresome after a while. Just, oh, here's Jimmy Fallon, here's Horatio Sands. What are they going to do? They're going to look at each other, and then they're going to laugh. But everybody was laughing on the stage, except for Parnell. He was the only one who wasn't laughing. Um, and Christopher Walken was in his own world. And the, one of the reasons why it's so funny is because Walken is just, he doesn't, I don't even think he knows what's happening on stage. Because every single performer on that stage is losing it. Like, Fallon is laughing. Will Ferrell's trying to get his lines out, but he's laughing. And during that last bit that I just played, that's when they are all desperately trying to get their shit together and not completely just bust out laughing entirely. And you can hear that in the crowd. The crowd is seeing what's happening. These are four performers that are struggling not to break and laugh their asses off, which is always funny. When it's natural, it's always funny. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, obviously I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do an entire episode dedicated to Debbie Downer, not just the one uh, the first time they did it with Lindsay Lohan, um, where everybody broke on stage. Um, it's, it's funny when it happens naturally. It's always funny to watch performers who break because, one, it's funny to watch them break. Two, it's great to see people having a great time doing what they want to do. Like there's a joy in watching people having fun with each other on stage and breaking. Um, and so it works in that regard. But anyway, everybody is struggling to get their shit together, except for Walken, who doesn't even seem to know what's happening. Like, he seems so focused, maybe on the cue cards or maybe just being the weird, disconnected, crazy Christopher Walken that he is. And somehow all of this, this ridiculous idea about playing the cowbell on Don't Fear the Reaper, the ridiculous costumes, the ridiculous simplicity of the setup, the fact that, you know... Will Ferrell's shirt goes up, that the, his belly is hanging out, the, the, the sheer audacity and stupidity of the concept, and the fact that Christopher Walken anchors it in this weird, otherworldly, solid like anchor where he's looking off to the side, not knowing at all, seemingly, what's happening, and delivering weird dialogue like, you know, babies, you know, you're going to be wearing gold-plated diapers, to which Chris Kattan responds... Uh, what does that mean? So the sh- the sketch runs, and I remember watching it. I remember watching it with my girlfriend at the time, and we were both on the floor laughing. Um, she was not as familiar with Blue Oyster Cult as I was. I was a little bit older than she was. It was not her era of music. I, however, love Don't Fear the Reaper. I love Blue Oyster Cult. I saw them many times live, and and I I have told stories on my other po- on my other podcast, the Nick D podcast, about uh, about how they had this 
legendary laser light show that Blue Oyster Cult. It was so legendary, in fact, that they, I, the, the rumor was that they blinded somebody at a concert and their laser light show, their 70s laser light show, was outlawed at some point. So they were a legendary 70s band, and their biggest hit was Don't Fear the Reaper. And it also, just on a side note, happens to be featured in one of my favorite movies of all time, John Carpenter's Halloween. That's the song that's playing when Nancy Loomis and Jamie Lee Curtis are blowing weed in the car. So it's a song that I loved when it came out, and I knew it. And as I was watching this, I just was laughing my ass off because, yes, if you're a fan of that, if you're a fan of that song, you do know there's a cowbell in there, <laughs> and you're not quite sure why. So, uh, it, you know, we watched it, we laughed our asses off, and we talked about it afterwards the next day and all kinds of stuff. I was in rehearsal, actually, for a play at that time, and at rehearsal the next day, we were talking about it. And it just began, began talking. We were talking all about it. And uh, this was before everything was available two hours later on YouTube and online and on social media. This was before all that shit. So it was talked about a lot and became a classic. And here is a bit of oral history. Um, in fact, it became such a cult classic that Lauren, who didn't really understand it, Lauren, you know, already didn't understand it, uh, was like, okay, why don't we make a movie out of it? Like it got, that was his answer to a lot of things at that time period in the late nineties and early, early two thousands, Lauren Michaels had all kinds of like production deals and stuff like that. And they just wanted to make anything into a movie. They made a ladies man into a movie. You know, they made uh, it's Pat into a movie. I've talked about this on another episode with, uh, ranking all the SNL movies. And at that time, it was like Lorne was movie happy and thought, let's make a movie out of more cowbell. And they literally, uh, well, anyway, I'll just read this to you. This is some of the oral history. Jimmy Fallon says, oh, man, that was one of those nights. Chris Parnell loved classic music, and he pitched the idea. And most of us were like, well, that's kind of out there. Horatio Sands says it was Parnell's idea at first. Uh, I never even heard of Blue Oyster Cult or whatever they were. So I don't know. It seems kind of out there. Parnell says it was definitely out there, but that's what I wanted. Sometimes the best comedy is edgy. Sometimes it's safe. And I was thinking, what if we're safe and edgy? It was definitely a risk, and it totally didn't work in dress rehearsal. And Fallon said, yeah, it bombed in dress rehearsal. Sand says, did it work in dress rehearsal? Fuck no. Um, so Will Farrell, who eventually wrote it, Parnell came up with the idea, pitched it to, Far- to Farrell. He and the other guy wrote it. Um, and Will Ferrell says, yeah, I mean, it was out there, but I really wanted it to work. When it didn't work in dress rehearsal, I felt it was all on me, so I wanted to make it work. Lauren Michaels said, no, it did not go well in dress rehearsal, but I wasn't worried. That's show business. We had nothing else on the table except that more cowbell, and it had to work. So I turned to Paul Simon. He gave me a look, and he gave me a look back, and then I turned to Paul McCartney, and he gave me a look. And that's what Lauren Michaels said. So he just, you know, name drops Paul Simon, name drops Paul McCartney about the sketch. Will Farrell said the clock was ticking. We didn't know what to do. Finally, I got an idea. I asked Wardrobe to get me a shirt one size smaller than the one I was wearing. And she asked, are you sure? And I said, no, but it's all we got. Jimmy Fallon says, all of a sudden, Will has a different shirt. And we're all like, okay, something weird is happening. Parnell says it was like a blur. It was almost in slow motion. We knew it was going well, but we had no idea that something this big was on our hands. Will Farrell said, uh, I was just happy that we got the sketch to work, and so I should have kept that damn shirt. Christopher Walken said, I had no idea what was happening. Lauren Michaels said, I was happy with it. People seemed to like it, so naturally we thought it should be a movie. So I asked Adam McKay and Will Farrell to write one. At that time, Adam McKay and Will Farrell were business partners. They're not anymore. Uh, good for Will Farrell. 
Adam McKay says, Lauren gave us 30 days. The script came to us uh, in one day. So basically, it was set in 1976. The idea for the movie was that Blue Oyster Cult is about to play one last concert, but their cowbell goes missing. It turns out it was stolen by the, Yaku- by the Yakuza, the Japanese mafia, and Blue Oyster Cult has to go find it. And in each scene, we have Will in a smaller and smaller shirt. It was going to be called Even More Cowbell. I wanted it to be an allegory for the banking industry and how it relates to the American exceptionalism. Of course he did. Of course Adam McKay wanted it to be an allegory for the banking system. What a jackass. Anyway, uh, Lord Michael said, you know, the script was good, but it wasn't great. Chris Walken signed on. Drew Barrymore was thinking about doing it. But we forgot to check with the actual Blue Oyster cult. Lord Michael <laughs> continues to say... Uh, People would just shout more cowbells at their concerts, and I don't think that they wanted to deal with it. Uh, Adam McKay says, I understood that the band was mad. Uh, I wrote a letter to them pleading with them that we can use it, and they sent us a really nice cease and desist letter. Will Ferrell says, it would have been fun, but what can you do? At least we got to do the sketch. Um, To this day, people say two things to me every day. More cowbell and what happened to Natalie Wood. That's Christopher Walken talking. Jimmy Fallon says, I will never forget Will's shirt. Horatio Sands says, yeah, Will's shirt, man. You dream of comedy moments like that. Parnell says, of course, I'm proud of the sketch, um, but I did not write Will's shirt uh, (laughs) into it. Farrell says, I often wonder how differently my career would have gone without that sketch. And then I realized it'd probably be pretty much similar, mostly the same, but it's fun to think about. So those are, are some of the thoughts about the people that were involved in the sketch. Uh, and now, and this sketch continued to grow in legendary status. And then once the YouTube thing hit and once all the sketches from SNL uh, were available and shared on social media and just like everywhere, it, it just built and built and built and built to the point now where it is considered one of the most legendary sketches of all time. In fact, when uh, lists are made of the best sketches in SNL history, it's often in the top five to top ten. Uh, I think it was Rolling Stone magazine did the 100 best sketches in SNL history, and it came in at number seven. So more cowbell has this mythic quality to it, even though, as we said, it was a dumb idea. Uh, uh, most, of the, most of the laughs from the audience and from the people on stage were due to Will Ferrell's shirt being too small, which he did on purpose, and so on and so forth. And everywhere these guys go, anybody who was in that sketch or associated with that sketch talks about it to this day. And here are some of the people talking about it. Now, Will Ferrell uh, appeared on uh, Jimmy Fallon's show, and obviously they were both in the sketch. Fallon famously broke first. Of course he did. And uh, this is one of the times that Will Ferrell came back years later, Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show, and uh, they inevitably talked about it. <laughs> anyway, let's talk Ke- about something else. Cowbell. <laughs> cowbell sketch. Yes, the cowbell sketch. That's right. what I was going to say. I was going to say that. I was going to talk were, about the cowbell. You were a major part of that. I was a really major part of the cowbell sketch. It was Which, all you. It was all you. This is a, this is a uh, picture. Uh, uh, yeah. That's, that's me there. Right. Catan, Parnell. Here. Horatio Sands. And uh, that's you, and that's Christopher Walken. Which is, it's the strangest thing. And that's Christopher Look Walken. That. That's Christopher Walken across from that. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that now, shirt, is insane. You maintain that between dress rehearsal and air, that I went and put a tighter shirt on. I think you did, you did didn't you? 
I thought it just hiked, I just, I thought it just put a little more mustard into it. And then it hiked up. Is that right? I thought. But you thought I put a tighter shirt on, you think? I thought you did, because th this doesn't even feel like a shirt that should. It's insane. Everyone else was wearing other shirts. I think I would have. But you were coming up a little bit in dress. Yeah. But that was high up. Yeah. And that was, that was low down. But you might be right. Maybe I. I mean, you barely have a I shirt. I switched on. it to a tighter shirt. Because um, I remember it, it was so loud right. on, on air. Because with Larry. Air, oh, with. Yeah. That I banged it a much louder no, than the dress. No, but I mean the oh. audience response. Oh, the response. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. They, the sketch was on at the end of the show, I believe. Right. Which is where usually the weirder sketches yeah, are. Yeah. And it was working so well that yeah. this floor started shaking. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. I yeah. was just in a haze. You were in a, dude, you were in I a comedy in, I haze. Was, I was staring you down. But you, because you were laughing, but I was laughing too, but the beard was just protecting. Uh, you so couldn't see it. You couldn't see it. Dude, Wait, I, put, that, put the picture back up. Look, see, the beard is hiding. See, I'm smiling. I'm smiling right there. I mean, that was it that started it for me. That was my whole thing. But of... here's the crazy thing. So I go to see Christopher Walken years later yeah. in a play. I say hello to him backstage, and he's like, you know, you've ruined my life. <laughs> what? what? People during the curtain call bring cowbells and <laughs> ring them. <laughs> the other day, I went for an Italian food lunch, and the waiter asked if I wanted more cowbell. <laughs> With my pasta bolognese. <laughs> and I think he was really mad at me. Wow, yeah. no way. And he had a little smile, but... Well, because he had such a great career. I mean, but, you know... He was a great actor. From The Deer Hunter... Yeah. To Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction, he's amazing. To More Cowbell. That's all he gets now. That's all he gets yeah. now. So yeah. it made a lot of people happy then... But and, but Christopher... Ruined one person's ruined life. Ruined one person. But what are you going to do? That's good odds. Right? That's yeah. Decent odds, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. All right, so there's... So, so that's what happened. And then, uh, you know, Christopher Walken has famously said, and, and it's insane, it's ridiculous that, you know, Christopher Walken, who, uh, legendary stage actor, incredible uh, film actor who has appeared in classic movies, who's won an Oscar, <laughs> is mostly remembered for that goddamn sketch. Um, now, the next clip I'm going to play is Christopher Walken talking about it. And, and again, you can't, I mean, this is 23 years in, and he still has to talk about it. So does everybody who was ever a part of that sketch. It comes up. If you were a part of that sketch, it still comes up. Christopher Walken appeared on Conan's show, on Conan O'Brien, on TBS. And this was during, I just want to say that this was during lockdown. This was when, uh, you know, people were doing, the, you know, the late night guys were doing their talk shows from home and everybody was doing their interviews Zoom with no audience. So if you, this is why you won't hear an audience and this is why you won't hear laughter during this, inter during this interview. So Christopher Walken appeared on Conan O'Brien's show. And again, this is many, 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 many years later, like 20 years later. Uh, and of course, it comes up. About this today in preparation for our interview, you have had so many iconic roles, so many great performances. Yet one of the things that probably uh, you might be best known for or among your best known performances would be in the Sound Out Live sketch Cowbell. Have you found that to be true? Yes, it was a very good sketch and, and uh, 
But I, I don't understand why, why it follows me around like it does. And how does it follow you around? Give us oh, uh, an example. Oh, you know, I, I, it doesn't, I was in a restaurant in Singapore and the couple at the next table, uh, at one point, the guy said to me, uh, Chris, you know, this salad needs more cowbell. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, I've, I've, I, it's gone too far. <laughs> You're in Singapore. You're yeah. in Singapore and it follows you. Yes. That's, that's, and uh, I don't know why that sketch became so famous. It's mysterious, you know, how some things catch on. Yes, it is mysterious. I think it has something to do with your voice and the way you said cowbell. I really believe if anyone else had done that role, it would not, that sketch would not have endured the way it does. I give you credit for that. It's a fine sketch, but I think it's the way you said cowbell. Well, it was also, it was Will Ferrell and, you know, what is it, uh, Meet the Reaper or something about the Reaper? Oh, yes. Uh, uh, Don't Fear the Reaper. Don't Fear the Reaper. Yeah, yeah. Will, you know. Yes, I'm sure. All Those were all great elements, but I think you pulled it all together. Well, thanks, but it's it's uh, kind of run its course. No, it hasn't. <laughs> it's going to keep going. <laughs> no matter what else you achieve in your career, it will keep going, and there's nothing we can do about it. So there it is. There it is. I love that. And Walken, you could just Walken, by the way, doesn't even know the name of the song. Like he's he's not even aware of Don't Fear the Reaves. Like, Reaper, what? Huh? Doesn't even know what the hell's going on. And that is so apparent when you're watching the sketch. Because again, Walken, like looking at the cue cards are off in his own world. And that adds to the surrealistic beauty of why it's so goddamn funny. Um, I've seen the sketch, and I'm sure you have a thousand times, and it's funny every single time for all of those weird reasons, how it all came together, how it all, I, I, it's just ridiculous. Now, Parnell, Chris Parnell, who played Eric Bloom, the lead singer, uh, and these guys, by the way, based on real people, these guys were, that's Eric Bloom is, is really the name of the real lead singer of Blue Oyster Cult. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and so Bruce Dickinson was a producer, all of that stuff. So based on real stuff. But Chris Parnell, who famously uh, never breaks in, in sketches. Uh, Parnell, by the way, I think one of the most reliable, uh, one of the best, one of the most consistently brilliant uh, sketch artists of all time. I think he's one of the best cast members ever, really underrated, a utility guy. He's one of those guys that kind of falls into the Phil Hartman slash glue category. Parnell's great. He's just great. And, you know, obviously he's had an amazing career. He's appeared on so many great shows, a regular uh, Dr. Spachekman in, uh, on, 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 uh, on 30 Rock, he's in the Anchorman movies. He's, uh, you know, he's one of these really, he's, he's there. He shows up a lot. But I don't think people really appreciate the genius and the seriousness of, of, of Parnell. I mean, Parnell was in Lazy Sunday. He's in a lot of classic stuff. He's multi-talented. I love the guy. And he was always kind of in that Phil Hartman category as well, the guy who never broke. Um, and here he is on Seth Meyers' show. Again, years and years and years and years later, you can't not talk about more cowbell. And here's Parnell on Meyers' show talking about that. Never, you famously never broken sketches, including maybe what is the hardest to believe of all time. You were in cowbell and were the only member of cowbell who kept it together. Yeah. 
I mean, that's really, like, that's the gold standard of not breaking. Because I think when you go back and watch it, it seems like Will's sole purpose in that sketch was to make his castmates break. I think it was. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah, Christopher Walken and I did not break. That's right. Um, although there was a moment that the camera was not on me, and I knew it wasn't on me, and I looked down at my guitar and I smiled. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that counts as a That, break, like, but... speaks to your nobility as a performer that you want to let us know, like, I wasn't perfect off I wasn't, camera. I wasn't. <laughs> I, I'm not really the Iceman. It's weird. It never even occurred to me that Christopher Walken also didn't break, because it just the idea of Christopher Walken breaking is, like, so crazy it's to impossible. me. It's yeah. impossible. It's impossible. Because in my head, he just, that whole sketch is that character. Like, it's he's never a guy who's, like, judging whether or not this is a funny sketch. No, he's right there. He's in it. He <laughs> is that guy. Yeah. Uh, so there it is, Parnell talking about not breaking. And again, there's audio of, of Will Ferrell talking about Jimmy Fallon talking about Christopher Walken talking about it. Uh, Parnell, Horatio Sands has been on talk shows talking about it. Again, this is a legendary sketch that aired back in April of 2000, and people still talk about it. And it all just came together, like I said. And we've all, you know, we I just gave you the whole rundown. Parnell came up with this weird idea. Ferrell ran with it. They wrote it. It went through three months of rewrites, pitching it to different hosts, especially Norm MacDonald. Lorne Michaels never understood it. But after the success of it and how weird it got, of course, Lorne Michaels wanted to make a movie out of it. They didn't make the movie. Uh, and Blue Oyster Cult. Now, we've heard and, and, and I've read many of the responses and the people involved in it and what they remember. The question is, what did Blue Oyster Cult think of this? What did they think of this sketch? I mean, they're real guys. It's a real band. It's a real song. There really was a cowbell during the recording. And the question was, the questions that pop up are, did Bloister Colt know about this sketch? Were they called about it? What happened? Um, we all know the fans, how they feel about it. We all know how Lauren feels about it. We all know how the writers and, and the performers of that sketch and, you know, Christopher Walken feel about it. And, and you know, and how it's, trailed them since that day. But what about Blue Oyster Cult? Eric Bloom, who is the lead singer of Blue Oyster Cult, um, uh, I have a quote. People would ask them about it. So Eric Bloom, who, by the way, Chris Parnell played in the sketch, says, we did not have any idea. No one told us, told us this. I actually happened to be at home on a Saturday night. I saw it live as everybody else did. And when it said, behind the music, Blue Oyster Cult, my jaw dropped. I was a little more shocked than amused, you know? I, don't, I didn't find it funny the first time because I was just more shocked. I didn't find it bad. I was just shocked that somebody was sending us up on SNL. Now, having seen it a hundred times since then, I found it very funny. But uh, can I say it's become a product of our time now? What can I say? I mean, you're in Detroit, and I'm a car guy, very good friends with a lot of people in the automotive press, and I was reading Auto Week, which is a magazine, and I was reading an article that said, this car's acceleration, this car's this or that, but however, it needs more cowbell. Everybody knows what it means, so that sketch has really crossed over into the part of the English language. And he likes it. So Eric Bloom, although at first, was completely surprised. I mean, just think about that. You're sitting there watching TV on a Saturday night, and all of a sudden, the band that you've been in in and out of for, you know, 40 some years is suddenly the subject of a show that you're watching. You had no idea. The song is playing. Someone is playing you on screen. You're sitting at home. You're Eric Bloom. And all of a sudden, here is Chris Parnell with a wig and a mustache playing you. 
you know, doing a sketch about a song that you co-wrote. So, of course, his first initial response was, what the hell is going on? Uh, other members of Blue Oyster Cult had the same feeling. They were not contacted. They did not get, you know, permission. They didn't need permission. It's satire. You don't really need permission. Um, and so they didn't know about it until they saw it live. Now, obviously, Eric Bloom and the other members of Blue Oyster Cult had their thoughts about it. They love it now, obviously. But it's gotten to the point now where, as was mentioned before, when Blue Oyster Cult plays concerts now, people bring cowbells. And, they sc- and the audience screams, more cowbell, more cowbell, even when they're not playing. So like Christopher Walken, they're haunted by this sketch. Christopher Walken has won Oscars. People want him to sign cowbells, and they scream more cowbell at him. Blue Oyster Cult has had thousands of songs and many albums. They've been around for 50 years, and people still scream cowbell and bring cowbells to their concerts. So it haunts them, and, uh, and it's interesting to see what the reaction is. Now, the guy who actually played the cowbell, we are going to hear from him right now. The guy's name who played the cowbell is Albert Bouchard. Albert Bouchard is the original drummer from Blue Oyster Cult. He is the guy who played the cowbell. It was not Gene Frankel. It was not the character who wore the little shirt with the big belly. There was not a guy in the studio who was, you know, like Will Ferrell, banging the cowbell with his belly hanging out. It was played by Blue Oyster Cult's drummer, Albert Bouchard. And of course... Many, many, many years later, you can't talk to any member of Blue Oyster Cult and not get their thoughts on more cowbell. So here he is. This is the guy who actually played the cowbell, Albert Bouchard from Blue Oyster Cult, talking about it. I you with something you've probably heard 10 million times by now, but I got to ask because... Uh, the cowbell. Of course. I mean, are you the one who played the cowbell? Uh, yeah, I was. Even though, you know, Eric Eric thought that he it was him, but I, I don't even remember him being there because if he was there, he would have played it because he usually did the percussion. I'm not that great a percussionist. Eric is much better. And David Lucas thought he did it, but it was just his idea. And uh, and he thought that he had come in when we weren't there, but that was for another song. He had kind of got the two songs mixed up. I also have to ask about you seeing that for the first time. Of course, it's just immortalized through Saturday Night Live. Did you already hear about it beforehand? No, no. As a matter of fact, I, I had, had Saturday Night Live on, and they said special guest Christopher Walken. I'm like, him again? Oh, my God. Okay. You know what? I want to watch this other program, and I turned it off i went to another channel and watched that and then the next day they said hey did you hear blue oyster was on saturday night live and of course i'm i wasn't in the band at that time and i'm like they were oh wow man why couldn't they do that when i was there and they're like no no not the real blue oyster they did a riff on don't fear the reaper and i'm like what i got to see this and of course they rebroadcast it like a few days later and uh and I saw it and I'm like, holy crap, this is hysterical. It's so funny. And it's, I mean, it's funny because it's almost true, you know, where David Lucas had insisted upon ha- that cowbell. He had to have the cowbell. He had to have more cowbell. <laughs> I had to have less. <laughs> Did they talk to anybody about that or are they just, is nope. that, that's just a total. They didn't even know if it was going to make the, the show because they, it wasn't working. It wasn't working until Will Ferrell had got some girl's uh, top and he put it on big belly sticking out that put it over the top man then the rest of the guys the rest of the cast was like all cracking up 
you know, because he looks so ridiculous. Right. And then Walken, I think, was just kind of uh, going off script. Yeah, he couldn't quite remember, you know, what he was supposed to say, but he, he got the idea, you know. <laughs> it's really brilliant. Walken has this weird Long Island accent too, so it's so. Uh, is that since then just followed you around everywhere? Just yeah, get I don't mind it. I you know we we did get on Saturday Night Live finally. <laughs> Not exactly how we wanted to get, but you know what? We could have played, and even if we did, don't fear the reaper. People, you know, there's so many artists that play on that show. It's like the fact that this was a, like a classic skit. I mean, we couldn't have done it better. We couldn't have asked for So there you go. There's uh so the guys in Blue Oyster Cult, you know, it follows them around, but they love it. They love the attention and it'll live forever. So Eric Bloom likes it, and Albert Bouchard, who is the guy who actually played the cowbell on the track, it haunts them, but they love it. And everybody involved in the sketch loves it. And it is a classic. And that's how it was born. And I can't explain why 23 years later. Um, it's considered one of the greatest sketches of Saturday Night Live history. Um, I know I love it, and I know that everybody who is an SNL fan and even a casual fan considers more Cowbell to be one of the greatest sketches of all time. Now, that show that it appeared on, as I mentioned before, was uh, season 25, episode 16. It was April 8th, 2000. Christine Aguilera was the musical guest, and Christopher Walken was your host. But I want to run down what happened on the rest of that episode because it was a terrific episode. Everybody singles out Cowbell, obviously. But there was a lot of other stuff that was great on that show, including Dana Carvey made a cameo in the cold open where he played George H.W. Bush. He played Bush Sr. to Will Ferrell's George W. Bush. Uh, and it was a great cold open. It took place at the Capitol building, and it was Dana Carvey, you know, uproarious applause, just coming back on the uh, SNL stage after years doing George, uh, George Bush with Will Ferrell doing George W. That was your cold open, a great, strong cold open. The monologue, Christopher Walken comes out, sings and dances like he does almost every time he hosts. He sings Saturday Night is uh, the... Um, uh, the loneliest night of the week with singers and dancers and ladies out there. And he does the make them ups and all that stuff that he does uh, that, you know, this is fourth time hosting. People love it. Uh, and also they did Elian, the Cuban boy, uh, Elian Gonzalez, by the way, if you don't remember, Elian Gonzalez was a, a Cuban refugee who came over via boat, young kid. And there was a whole court case that went on and you know, you remember it. Well, that was the hottest story that week. It was everywhere. You couldn't turn on the TV. You couldn't read anything. You couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't even look on the, on the early days of the internet without hearing about Alien Gonzalez. So they did a musical version with Christopher Walken as Castro. Again, very strong. And Chris Kattan, by the way, played Alien Gonzalez. Very strong, very timely, very newsworthy uh, sketch. Uh, then there was another Continental uh, where Christopher Walken played the Continental, and you see it from the woman's point of view, where the camera, he's looking into the camera. It's the Continental, you know it. This one was the woman coming back to pick up her mail and Christopher Walken trying to seduce her as the Continental. So you had a Continental. You had a Viagra commercial parody, which featured Tina Fey, who, by the way, was not in the cast at that time, just writing. Christopher Walken on a gas tire was on it, and this was when Viagra first hit the scene. It was around 1999, 98-ish, 99, Viagra became a thing. Now, you know, it's commonplace. But back then, it was like, ooh, Viagra, it's boner pills. Nobody knew what they were. And Viagra was a joke. Every single day, every single, you know, time you opened your mouth, a Viagra joke would pop up. So 
There was a Viagra commercial. Then there was a Jenny Jones parody with Rachel Dratch, who was only a featured player at that time, playing Jenny Jones, and it was about out-of-control teens and uh, Anna Gasteyer and Chris Kattan uh, and uh, uh, Tim Meadows, uh, Molly Shannon, uh, uh, you know, Sherry O'Terry. They all played out-of-control teens. And uh, Dratch played Jenny Jones, and Christopher Walken was a crazy, obviously, of course, a crazy audience member. And then Weekend Update uh, happened with the terrible Colin Quinn, who is, in my opinion, the by far the worst update anchor in the history of uh, the show. Uh, he wrote a lot of the jokes, and they weren't good. Uh, it was terrible. And, of course, Elian Gonzalez jokes every five seconds. But Will Ferrell did show up as Jacob Silge, the man who didn't have voice and modulation, who always screamed. So that was one of the only funny things that happened on Update. There was also uh, the 1250 sketch, which was an America, uh, a Miss America contest with um, Christopher Walken as your MC and Sally O'Malley, the great Sally O'Malley. I'm 50, 50 years old. My, Molly Shannon, the great Molly Shannon, shows up, plays Sally O'Malley as a Miss America contestant. Uh, and another thing that people might forget is that uh, in addition to Dana Carvey showing up, Jay Maskus, one of the greatest guitarists and musicians of all time from the great band Dinosaur Jr., also appeared on that show, he sat in with the band the entire night. So he was with the uh, Saturday Night Live band all night. And in fact, when Cowbell ends, if you watch the entire episode, before they cut to a commercial, when Cowbell ends, the first thing you see is Jay Maskus. They cut right to Jay Maskus jamming on his guitar with the band. They don't give him an introduction. They don't say anything. Suddenly, after this sketch about Blue Oyster Cult, here's one of the guitar heroes of all time jamming with the band Jay Maskus. So Jay Maskus from Dinosaur Jr. also appeared on the show. And during Good Nights, Dana Carvey is out there. Christopher Walken is out there. And Jay Maskus, I think a lot of people who missed it were like, well, who is that guy on the stage? What does he do? Is that? And then some people who might not have seen the entire show are like, is that Jay Maskus from Dinosaur Jr.? So yeah, Dana Carvey, Jay Maskus out at the end. Uh, and so Jay Maskus was there as well. So a lot of weird things happened. But so you've got a great cold open. You've got a good monologue. You've got the behind the music cowbell, which is legendary. All these other great things. Sally O'Malley makes an appearance. A great show top to bottom, with the exception of Update because of Colin Quinn. But everything else on the show worked. It was a great show. But for me, cowbell is not the funniest sketch of that night. Now, historically, it's gone down as one of the greatest sketches of all time. But I personally think there was another sketch that was much funnier. And I personally think the funniest sketch of that night was co-written by Tina Fey and Adam McKay. And in 2000, the year 2000, we were all doing a census. The census was coming out, as you often do, you know, on those years. And the census was coming out, and you had to fill it out and send it in. So they did a sketch. It was a two-man sketch. It was Tim Meadows and Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken lived in an apartment, and the sketch is all about the census that was in the news and you had to take in 2000. And this sketch, I think, is by far the funniest sketch of that night. I think it's better written than, uh, than, than, uh, than Cowbell. I think it's much more satirical. It's much funnier. And I also think that it's better suited for Christopher Walken. It's the census sketch where Tim Meadows shows up at the apartment door of Christopher Walken. I'm going to play the whole thing. And this, to me, is the best sketch of that night. Not more cowbell, but the census sketch. Hi. Hi. Can I help you? Yes, uh, Mr. Leonard, I'm with the U.S. Census Bureau. We sent you a census form, but you failed to return it to us. My mail is piled up like crazy. 
Yeah. Well, I just need to uh, fill out this census form with you. Great. Okay. Um, how many people live in this residence? Oh, boy. That's a good question. <laughs> I'm bad with numbers. Maybe 80. 80 people live in this apartment? Seems high, doesn't it? Not 80. How about four? I don't know. I'm so bad at guesstimating. Well, why don't just take your time and count? Okay. There's me, my wife, our plants. We have some candy bars. Well, you know, we don't count candy bars or plants. Yeah. Then there's just the two of us. <laughs> Boy, I really overshot it with the 80, didn't I? Yeah. Listen, don't worry about it, okay? I'm going to put you down as the primary resident, okay? Um, now, are you currently employed? Yeah, part of the time. Well, you, you work part-time. How many days a week? Every day, but just part of the day, from 9 to 5. So you work a full day? I wouldn't say that. There are huge chunks of time at night where I'm just asleep. For hours, you know. It's, it's ridiculous. No, it's, it's not that ridiculous, actually. Uh, Miss Leonard, do you own or rent this apartment? Not sure. You have to ask one of the other 79 people. You mean your wife? Yeah. Well, could I talk to her? She won't answer you. She's a bobcat. You've got a bobcat in there? Well, I have a permit. There you go. This is a permit to run a nail salon. Wrong one. Wrong one. Hold up. This is a permit to do street performance. Yeah. My wife's a big part of the act. You know what? Fine. Fine. Good. Great. Mr. Linder, are you a, a citizen of the United States? I have dual citizenship. Okay. With the United States and Florida. Florida is part of the United States. Don't push your politics on me, pal. All I know is, when I turned 50, I was issued a Florida passport. There you go. All right, this is a novelty birthday card. And it says, you're over the hill. Here's a passport to Florida. This is not a real passport. I don't know, you know. Whenever I go to Florida, I show it at the border, and they always let me in. Listen, Mr. Leonard, a real passport wouldn't have a picture of a sexy nurse on it. This is a fake joke thing. Well, it's a hell of a forgery. Okay, let's just proceed as if this is going really well. All right, now, how long have you lived at this address? Oh, man, there you go with the numbers again. Just take your time. Well, what do most people say? That's, that's not important. I feel enormous amount of pressure to get this right. I want to win that car. There's no car, Mr. Leonard. How long have you lived here? All right, 
When I moved in, it was in the spring. I remember Clinton was president. I'd just gotten out of jail. Go see an hour. <laughs> All right, let me go over this again, then. You are a convicted criminal living alone in an apartment with a bobcat. And you work 56 hours a week as a street performer. When you say it like that, my life sounds pretty damn good. You know what? I've talked to a lot of people all over this country, and your life is pretty damn good. You want to get a beer? I'd love to, but, you know, the old ball and chain. <laughs> all right, take care. Have a good one. Again! We just did it! Yeah, uh, that's the best sketch of the night. Sorry. <laughs> By the way, Tim Meadows is brilliant in that sketch. Like, his facial expressions of complete bafflement and disbelief at what Walken is saying are brilliant. Both of them are hilarious. For me, sorry, the census sketch is better than more cowbell. All right. So there it is, More Cowbell, the legendary sketch. You can see it everywhere uh, online. It is legendary. And uh, that show, uh, season 25, episode 16, April 8th, 2000. Christopher Walken, Christina Aguilera, solid all the way through a great show. Uh, More Cowbell is the, is the one that went down in history. But for me, the census sketch was the best one. So everything you ever wanted to know about More Cowbell, that's what it is. And that's what happens here on that show. <laughs> Hasn't been funny in years in SNL podcast. If you would like to leave your comments, your questions, your suggestions for SNL, please do. 773-417-6948. That's the voicemail. You want to send me an email, it'll reach me here at this podcast and at my other podcast, the Nick D Podcast, both at RadioMisfits.com. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. Send those uh, emails anytime you want. Check us out live streaming, RadioMisfits.live, 24-7 live streaming. You can hear this podcast every day at 9 a.m., and you can hear my other podcast, the Nick D Podcast, every day at 3 p.m., radiomisfits.live. My thanks to Ed at Radio Misfits, to you for subscribing. Please spread the word, rate and review our podcasts, and have a great time. Uh, we will see you again on that show. It hasn't been funny in years. And again, I would like to thank Jason Skaggs, who, perf- who uh, wrote and performed uh, the opening theme. By the way, the opening theme of this uh, podcast has a cowbell in it. I don't know. You want to listen to it the next time. And our closing theme, which is this. I'm Nick DiGilio. Thanks again. We'll be back for another episode of That Show. Hasn't been funny in years. New episodes every Wednesday on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Thanks for checking it out. And we'll talk to you soon. night and have a pleasant tomorrow.